Hey everybody, this is Sam bringing you yet another episode of That Girl with the Curls. This is episode 41 with Kelly Thompson, who is the writer of Gem and the Holograms over at IDW, also Heart in a Box from Dark Horse, and uh, Captain Marvel and the Carol Corps over at Marvel. And uh, Kelly is just a super awesome uh, person. Like, it was just so easy to talk to her, and she's so rad. And we talked about a lot of things, like the writing process and collaborations, and really just gushed a lot about the artists on um, on both Jem, who is uh, Sophie Campbell, amazing, as well as Meredith uh, McLaren, who did uh, Heart in a Box. There's a lot, just a lot of stuff of, you know, gushing over things that we love and we like. And uh, yeah, I mean, I couldn't imagine a better, uh, better way for this podcast to go. You know, you always get nervous, but then, man, Kelly's easy to talk to, and uh, I would uh, have her on in a heartbeat uh, once again. So we'll look look forward to Kelly Thompson in the, in the future. Ooh, yeah, whatever. Um, quick news, uh, we are on iTunes now. Yay, I finally stopped being lazy and, you know, bit the bullet and just transferred everything over. Um, you'll notice there's a new logo, uh, which was done by my friend Nicole uh, Jetrick. Uh, if I pronounce that wrong, Nicole, I'm so sorry, and let me know what the pronunciation is. So, uh, she did a fantastic uh, logo for for me uh, for that girl with the curls. It's kind of a combination of that girl with the curls as well as the uh, maniacal geek. So, uh, a little bit of a smarmy Medusa looking thing, and it's so rad, and I really love it. So, uh, yeah, we're on iTunes now, and you can just comfortably download us you know, from the comfort of your own home, or if you happen to be standing in line at, I don't know, San Diego Comic-Con right now that's currently happening so far away, and yet so close, somewhat. Anyway, but uh, just wanted to let everyone know that, unless you're listening to this via iTunes, then it is a moot point, but uh, please to enjoy Kelly Thompson, episode 41 of That Girl with the Curls. Did you guys eat well? I, I did. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. it was sort of a comedy of errors trying to get dinner tonight and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, no. I appreciate it. I'm much less grouchy than I would have been if I had warm food sitting out there that I couldn't eat. So it will go well for all of us, I hope. Excellent. It would have been like, so Kelly, Jen, like, oh, I'm starving. <laughs> be like, what? I don't want to talk about Jen. Ah. <laughs> Have you heard about that the hot dog thing on the pizza thing? Man, if I had a pizza thing right now. <laughs> I usually like my guests to be starving when they're on the show. Yeah, it keeps, keeps things fresh, keeps things edgy, probably. Oh, it's yeah. Cool. And it's, it's really like the best thing when everyone's kind of on edge and a little bit angry. So. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, do you have a, do you need to get like a drink or anything or? No, I'm good. I'm good to go. Excellent. Well, we are recording currently, so gotcha. Ha <laughs> ha. Nice trick there, getting me talking about pizza and things. I know. It was going to be so hard to veer towards that. <laughs> that was so revealing. <laughs> uh, but formally, Kelly Thompson, welcome to That Girl with the Curls. 
Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I've been a, a big fan of the Gem comic so far. Uh, we're only on, what, issue three right now. Four? Issue four? Is it issue four? Yes. What, what am I thinking, then? Damn it. I don't know, but I'm doing the proofs for issue five right now, so oh. you better get with it. All right. No, I, I read the last <laughs> and the latest issue, because it was all, like, Stormer and Camber, and I was like, oh, my God. Oh, yeah. That was a big one. We were very excited about that one. I can imagine, because, um, I mean, since we're, we're talking about Jim anyway, uh, was, for some reason, someone was telling me that the Stormer-Kimber relationship was canon within the cartoon on, on some level, or was that just me hearing things? No, I mean, I, I find this thing so funny. It's like, um, how to say this and <laughs> not get myself in trouble? I mean... I think that it's 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 many people's personal headcanon. Oh, okay. And I think deliberately or not, uh, there's one episode of the show that is very leading mm. of that they're in a relationship. But I don't think the show meant to do that. I just think, you know, I mean, I think with representation, there's so much lacking Oh, yeah. Diversity that, you know, a lot of us, and there's nothing wrong with this, but, you know, a lot of us are quick to kind of ship things, you know, that we wish we could see. And, you know, there was never going to be a a same-sex lesbian relationship in 1985 children's cartoons. What? I can't believe that. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, I understand why people are really quick to ship it. And there are some, like, really, I think, accidentally hilarious things of just sort of the shortcuts you take to make a point in a story like Stormer has a picture of Kimber on her bedside table <laughs> I mean that's nobody does that with their friends you know but it's like but it's like a moment and there's also a scene which if you go online you can see it dissected that is them eating breakfast or suggested to be in the morning and people are like it's definitely Stormer's house Mm -hmm. so they like stayed over so like (laughs) you know there's all this stuff and I get why people get caught up in all that stuff and it's driven a lot of really fun um Sophie and I call it Stimber Uh, okay I was gonna ask like what's the uh some people try and call it Stormer but let me just get it official Stimber is easier to say Mm -hmm. and it's better and it's what (laughs) Sophie and I came up with and so you guys should just migrate over to it okay like hashtag Stimber right right it's like the whole gif or gif and nobody knows what it is I'm telling you guys right now it's Stimber so get on it oh I thought you were gonna tell me Um, whether or not it was gif or gif (laughs) no I still don't know because isn't it there's a whole thing where like the creator says it differently than like most of the world does. I don't know. It's a whole night. No, so I, I, I would have said, uh, yeah, I would have said gif. Like, yeah, like, so let's get in early. It's Stimber. Stimber. That's what it is. Awesome. Um, anyway, but so, I mean, I think that the, the shipping of that comes from a sort of hilarious place. I mean, who knows? You know, Stormer was never shown to be in a relationship she never seemed boy crazy whatever so who knows maybe they did mean to do that and they were like hey let's just put a picture of kimber on stormer's nightstand because that's totally normal but my guess is it's more the shorthand of creators like oh we have to show that she misses her and we're not doing it through dialogue so oh she's looking at a picture of her or whatever but it's one of those interesting things about like especially 80s 80s cartoons 
I mean, because you see all the stuff with, like, um, the He-Man cartoons, how you can just, if you just watch the straight episodes, I mean, they're already freaking hilarious. But the way that people have used them or manipulated them, because the cartoons themselves just kind of lend itself to, you know, the YouTube generation. (laughs) And uh, and Jem certainly is not, you know, uh, distinct from that at all. I mean, she, that cartoon, because I remember watching it when I was younger, and yeah, there's always that that weird shorthand where they do weird jump cuts or a piece of dialogue is said, but no one responds for like a half second, you know, more than they should. Right, right. Those are the things so, I love going back to. Yeah, yeah. So whether it meant to be or not, a lot of people have for a long time shipped them, and, and including Sophie. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I'm, I don't think I'm a big, generally not a big non-canon shipper myself like mm-hmm. I wouldn't think I mean I don't even think I was a shipper of anything until the last five years or so when I've started realizing I am totally into that and who was I kidding but um, <laughs> who was your first so, ship acknowledgement <laughs> yeah right um so I don't know but I mean there was no doubt that this was what we were doing I mean we knew that we wanted some LGBT Q plus A, all of it, mm-hmm. diversity, it, it only made sense um, for a program that was so diverse as it was for 1985 to, to be upgraded to be even more diverse. It's Gem has always been about a, a diversity, so, mm-hmm. you know, there was no doubt we were going to do that, and, you know, as we were kind of putting together the characters, and, you know, we tried to bring over as much stuff um, as as we could that felt real to what was already there with the characters but with that Mm -hmm. modern update and I think for me Stormer was always going to be gay and I do think it was pretty ambiguous you know she was definitely not shown being any kind of boy crazy although in fairness Roxy wasn't either so (laughs) um you know maybe but um I think Stormer was always going to be gay and it was always an obvious thing that the only way to get a kind of gay relationship on the page in a relevant way was for someone else to also be gay and for there to be a relationship there between those characters. Mm-hmm. Um, we were obviously super excited about the idea of it being a misfit and a hologram for the very, you could say Romeo and Juliet, but I prefer to say Jets and Sharks. And so <laughs> people, like, just makes more sense to me. Still a Romeo um, and Juliet type situation. Yeah, just it you is, know. it is. But, I mean, but that's what West Side Story is. But yeah. So, with of course i i really want there now to be like a uh you know a snapping rumble between the two groups (laughs) that would be awesome um and i think kimber was always the one we wanted it to be and i there was a little bit of a back and forth i remember about you know we didn't want her to be i don't know one of my favorite things about the relationship is that stormer is definitely like a serial monogamous type of girl to me, right? Mm-hmm. Like she she doesn't get in relationships easier, easy. She's in them for a long time. She's committed, whatever. And Kimber is not really that girl. Kimber is the date everyone under the sun, <laughs> attention span of two seconds. But Stormer is sort of a different thing for her, and it's really her first really serious relationship. And Unfortunately for her, it's with her nemesis band, so, you know, it's going to be fraught with trauma, of course. And I, th- I thought that that was, I, I think that, yeah, in the, in the four issues, because now I know it's four, uh, <laughs> I swear I've been keeping up, because uh, it, it, it's, it's very, uh, I, I mean, 
I just like the way that you set it up too. I mean, it it feels natural. Uh, I mean, Kimber's personality is so out there, and she's just larger than life. Like you know, in the way Sophie draws them as well, just lends to that so perfectly. Um, amazing. Like just how physical Kimber is in any given scene. <laughs> I mean, the bit where she's running to the being late and running to oh, the God, yeah. event in the in issue four is just like. Sophie sent that to me. I'm like, I'm in love. I, I can't get over how hilarious this is. And she's like, you wrote it. I was like, yeah, but I never quite know how you're going to draw it. And that's it's always so much better than I imagined. Well, just even um, when she's like leaning up against the stage, it's like her, cause she's so tall and those arms are out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. like, and I, I yeah. love that. And just even the, I mean, just the way that Sophie, like in terms of the physicality, uh, the fingers, like when she puts her little pinky on top of Stormer's, like those yeah. those subtle little things just made you go like, come on, just storm her, just be with her, like it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, it's amazing. And you know, I've ta- I've talked about this before, but you know, one of the greatest gifts uh, to the book. I mean, above and beyond. I mean, the obvious stuff that everyone can see that Sophie's doing, like all the design and how adorable they are and the fashion. And I mean, I can't even tell you how much work that is to when you've got eight or nine main characters and they just constantly are changing oh, their God. hair and clothes and everything. And it's like, and I think that's one of Sophie's favorite parts because it keeps it really interesting for her. But I can't tell you how many times she's texted me and she's like, I need outfit ideas. <laughs> and I'm like, all right. And I run over to the computer. I mean, she does tons of her own research, but sometimes she needs some outside influence because, mm-hmm. You know, it's a lot of changes. I mean, everyone kind of evolves in every issue, but um, and they all I have their different the styles things, too. I mean, yeah, but I, yeah, I think one of the things that um, you know, people they re they they I'm sure they're aware of it, but it's sort of it's so well done. It's sort of almost subconscious as you're or unconscious perhaps as you're reading is that you know I don't have to write a bunch of narration captions for everybody Mm -hmm. you know because you know exactly what they're thinking you know you don't need any of my clumsy words (laughs) to tell you what's happening in that Kimber and Stormer moment because it's all there in the gesture in the facial expression just like you said in the way her hand is on her hand it's all there and it's it's really beautiful stuff it's I could go on and on Oh, no, please do. I mean, just like, it's very much like the uh, officer and a gentleman moment, too. Like, when she just runs up to her and just plants one on her, just like, that's right! That's what you're talking about! We definitely wanted it super romantic. I saw someone somewhere, I I was wondering when we were going to get our first complaint about, like, they don't even know each other yet, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to be like, these people are like... 19 and 23 or whatever they're really young they're at that age when you fall in love really fast Mm -hmm. you know and um and that should not undermine what stormer and kimber have um the you know as much as we get to explore it that's a very true love and they're connecting on multiple levels uh it's not just a flash in the pan thing for either of them but i think people who see it happening really fast and are like well we didn't even see them really go on a date or anything you know, it's like, that's how ha- love happens when you're young. I mean, it's just, you're in lust, and then you can't get enough of that person, and then it's complicated, and right? It's yeah. how it goes. And then you're in a battle of the bands with them. I mean, yeah. it's just, yeah. it's the it's the, the love story for the ages, basically. <laughs> uh, 
but so so kind of go a little backtrack a little bit with Jem. Um, I, I take it you were a fan of the show uh, growing up, perhaps, or just became I, one. <laughs> I was, I was, I loved the show. I mean, I hadn't seen it in years and years and years. And mm-hmm. when I was getting the opportunity to pitch for it, I did a like massive rewatch, um, like a marathon, oh, a couple of weeks of marathoning uh, the whole thing. But um, yeah, I was a fan when I was a little kid watching, you know, right around all those other shows, G.I. Joe and mm-hmm. um, He-Man and She-Ra and Thundercats and Dungeons and Dragons. I loved it all. And, um, you know, Gem, except for maybe for She-Ra, was incredibly unique in that it was just wall-to-wall female characters, which, you know, even though all of those shows had, you know, at least a token female that, mm-hmm. like, my young mind could like grab onto and be like oh I want to be Scarlet you know yeah it was really unique and that you could be any of them because they were you know they were all women which is really rare and there was the because I, I take it you've seen the trailer for the movie that's coming out I have okay I not that I want to like bash on anything but it's the because what I was seeing going around in terms of the internet, because that's where we all get our news from, uh, it's it's the whole idea of them taking away the the um, the businesswoman sense of of Jerica and Jem. Uh, you know, I, I don't I don't know like how faithful something has to be to a property. I see where they're going with it, but in the same vein, like you don't necessarily have, like, an entire, like, they're not running an orphanage and, you know, running a business at the same time, but they are very much in control of their lives to a degree. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I don't know anything about the movie except for the the thing we all saw, and I'm sure you can understand. I mean, I'm paid by Hasbro, and I don't want to lose my job, so it's probably oh. not in my best interest to say bad things about a movie I haven't seen yet. I don't know if it'll be good or not. I mean, I think the things that disappoint me a little bit um, are, you know, I don't like that that Aja and and Shayna's names weren't even in the trailer. I don't like that they're not her sisters or they're not referred to as her sisters. Mm -hmm. The family element is really important to me. It was something I... I don't want to say I fought for it, like, like people were against it, but, you know, there was a conversation with Sophie and our editor, John, and I about, like, was that that important to the idea of Jem? And I was like, we were on a conference call, and I was like, oh, it's really important, you mm-hmm. know, like, I am into it. And they're like, eh, I don't know. They were like, I can go either way, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and, like, I knew they'd let me have my way because they didn't feel really strongly. Yeah. But, like, I went away from that call and thought about it, and I was like, no, I'm adamant. Mm-hmm. And I, like, sent this big email to them, and I'm like, you guys, you're being crazy about not caring about this. I was like, there's a million things that are about bands, and there are very few things that are about a band that's also a family. It's so important to who they are. It's mm-hmm. so important that, you know, and I was like, I also have sort of stakes in it in the sense that my mom's adopted, and so, like, I find, you know, even in the show, they did a thing that sort of rubs me the wrong way where... where Often, Jerrica's dad seems like Jerrica's dad, and mm. not even Kimber's dad. Like, it doesn't seem like it's any, but definitely not Sheena and, and Aja's dad. And so I, it was really important to me that we, like, solidified, like, this is a family, and this is how they grew up, and it sort of guides them. And it's particularly fun for me in the contrast with um, the Misfits. I mean, <laughs> you could have you could have a band that's just friends that gets along really well and it's no problem then and that can contrast fine with the misfits but i think it really draws an even 
better distinction to have them be family and you know there's a lot of cool stuff in that of people growing apart and you know it makes it even harder to grow apart if you're a family Mm -hmm. um because you know you've got these other things that tie you together in addition to being a band so I don't know so like you know I know there was a lot of there were a lot of people upset about a lot of things in the trailer um, I try not to get upset about a piece of something that I haven't even yeah. seen yet, but <laughs> I, I remember feeling like that was the thing that bothered me the most, was just not seeing that family element mm-hmm. sort of reflected the same way. I mean, maybe it'll still be there, but I sort of didn't feel it in the trailer, and that sort of made me sad. But um, No, and I totally I totally get that. I mean, just what you were saying about the, the relationship within the comic book, I mean you you definitely get that vibe because what um Jerica kind of has a confidant in Aja and uh uh no Shauna sorry um and Aja and Kimber have this very like um bombastic relationship with each other that is just kind of fun to watch because they're just sniping but you you kind of get that they're not like mad at each other it's just the way you know siblings kind of like yeah I got it just Back off and yeah. leave me alone. Yeah, uh, <laughs> like their own sort of secret shorthand of what they can do, yeah. Yeah, and it, and, and it perfectly and I mean, contrasts. You're, you're right that I'm not sure what's going to be in the movie as far as a businesswoman element, but, you know, it's it's hard for me to criticize that because we have really taken a lot of that out. Um, you know, Jerrica slash Jem is really battling, and it's going to be a big part of the story as we go on about her having trouble juggling you know, being a normal, not only being a normal girl, um, who is sort of the head of this family, who also now has this crazy superstar alter ego, but she's also trying to be the band manager, so she's wearing all these hats, and it's really tearing her apart, and Mm -hmm. she's also a philanthropist to a degree, I mean, you know, they all care about the community center, and they're all involved, it's something they've been involved with their whole lives, it's something that was important to their parents, but Jerrica's definitely, I mean, she's the head of the family, Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, she may not look it in size, but she's sort of the boss, even when she's the meek one, she's still kind of making the decisions, and they're kind of watching her for where they're going to go next, and so I I don't find her to be lessened by that, I just found them running an orphanage and uh, running a music label and things like that to be just really stretching the believability too much for, for the kind of stories we were telling. A, so. a little excessive right now. Yeah. <laughs> so like, like, I mean, should they have enough to deal with without also running a failing music or a struggling music label? How are we going to feed all these orphans? We need exactly $25,000. <laughs> and I've talked about this a little bit before on other casts or interviews, but, you know, something that people have to remember when you when they feel like you've jettisoned things that they love about something, um, I mean, a a comic book is such a different thing Mm -hmm. than a television show. I mean, a television show needs a lot of elements and moving parts in order to crank out 22 half-hour episodes, you know, uh, every year. We're doing 12 issues in a year, and they're only 20 pages each, so one storyline that might make up 20 minutes or, or 40 minutes of TV is going to play out over six months. Mm-hmm. So it's just a really different animal, and I mean, you can see already how we're, I mean, I hope we're doing a good job of it, but you know, it's a real struggle to have a book that has like nine main characters. So if you want to add in, oh, they're also running a label, and they're, <laughs> you know, taking care of orphan girls, like, it's just, you know, you got to 
you got to know where to cut or it all tips over, you know? But what about when Kimber starts her, uh, you know, uh, what, dog walking business? How will that get factored in? <laughs> like, those, I mean, those are the things that, I mean, like you said, with the cartoon, you're, you're also dealing with a time period where you had to, like, stick everything under the sun into the story or else you're like, well, how are we going to get kids to pay attention? Yeah. Um, I mean, you, you need a lot more moving parts. And I like, understand why all those elements are there for the cartoon, but they're just not all elements that fit in the comic. Exactly. At least not right now. You know? and, and, you're, and again, you're updating a property to, to make as much sense as it can within the context of, you know, now. And yeah. I mean, already the idea of, you know, the hologram stuff, like, we have that technology a little bit, but not to the degree that Jem has it. Yeah, for so, sure, for sure. there's only a, so much, like, believability of, even a comic book reader can put into something sometimes, depending yeah. on the reality. So. Yeah, we try to save all our breaking of believability in um, arguments about Jerrica's height as Jem and Jerrica, and how does that work, <laughs> to which I go, it's a freaking sci-fi comic book, let it go. <laughs> Let it go. It's magic. That's how it works. A wizard did it. God, move on. <laughs> exactly. Synergy exactly. is a wizard. Let's just yeah. leave it at that. Um, uh, yeah, because I was I was toying around with this idea lately of like girl bands because we have um, we have Gem and then over at Marvel, Spider Gwen is part of an all girl band, and then at DC Comics uh, was it Black Canary. Um, so I, I was just curious, like, do you, do you think that this is a, like, I don't want to say a phenomenon, but do you think that this is just something that's coming to the forefront for a reason, or is it just kind of a, a cool thing to do with a female character at this point? I really have no idea. I don't know what, it's, a, it's sort of like, um, it's sort of like years ago when that movie the two movies about an asteroid hitting Earth come out at the no. same time, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Is it just in the collective consciousness? I don't know. I mean, I do think we're seeing a lot of stories about um, women, young women especially, and young, empowered, you know, um, public women, I think, is not really a surprise. And bands are cool. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, what do, what do artists and writers and actors who have, like, dream jobs already, when you ask them what do they want to be, what do they say? Rock star. That's yeah. Everyone wants to be like, you don't have to have any musical talent like me. Um, you, and you can have the greatest job in the world and rock star is still somehow above it. Right. Yeah. It's like the ultimate job. So, I mean, I think there's just an element of that. I also think comics, even though it doesn't lend itself, you know, super well to film, uh, to, uh, music. Mm-hmm. Um, although I think really great visual things are being done, in, in all three books um, to handle that. And we've mm-hmm. certainly had very famous books come before it. Scott Pilgrim, one of the most successful comics of all time that Definitely. has music throughout. Um, so, I mean, I think, but, but let's face it, like a print media is not the best for, for understanding and feeling music, hearing it, understanding it. But I do think that, um, I've completely lost the whole other side of the argument. (laughs) Oh, I know. I was going to say that, you know, comics, I certainly don't like to pigeonhole them as superhero books because comics are obviously so much more than that. Mm -hmm. But there's a huge percentage of the market that is superhero comics. And there's a huge percent of the population that believes comics are superhero books. And there's a lot, there are a lot of similarities between like Jem having an alter ego, being a rock star and being a normal person and being a superstar and being a normal person, 
being a superhero, being a normal person. So mm-hmm. I, th- I think there are some really natural parallels that might be lending itself um, to this even more. I mean, the only thing that would be better than Black Canary, Spider-Gwen, and um, Gem all being out there at the same time is if the upcoming Zodiac Star Force, which looks amazing, <laughs> was also a girl band. But I, I think we just... One, one, two, one. We lost. Oh. I do not think they're in a band, but they look amazing. Well, basically, <laughs> what we need is the epic crossover of all bands. Uh, to it's just only right. If oh my god! Licensing wasn't an issue. Just so. get someone to draw, like you know, Dinah and Gwen and Gem and the Holograms, just kind of all jamming together. <laughs> I was, I was gonna ask Sophie to lay in some, uh, some, some Easter eggs of uh, Spider Gwen and uh, Black. Canary in uh, issue six, so we'll see if uh, she tells me to take a leap off a <laughs> off a building. <laughs> issue six has a lot of stuff to draw, so ah, uh, so any extras? You're, she's but just I, like pushing I it. I didn't, I didn't put any Ferris wheels or motorcycles in it though, so she should be really happy. I think is she not a fan of those? <laughs> she wanted to kill me for that for that Ferris wheel and motorcycle in uh, in issue um, two. Mm-hmm. Was it two? Issue three. I don't know. I forget the issues now. That's, whenever, whenever the date was, that was yeah, issue, issue three. three. Yeah, <laughs> issue three, and then I put another one, sort of on accident, in issue five. But <laughs> I wrote it so that she didn't have to draw it. I was like, I can just say they're on a Ferris wheel, and you can just show them like on the on the thing. Mm-hmm. But then she ended up sort of drawing it anyway, so it's not my fault. She's like, hey, you didn't <laughs> have to go this far. Like, just because you care about your art, whatever. <laughs> She did say that uh, she's going to be making some demands when she comes back for the the next arc, and one of those demands will be all Ferris wheel Ferris wheels in Gem World cease to exist. So, <laughs> they know. never go to a carnival ever. Yeah, never happen again. Uh, it's like the the mass like uh, <laughs> exodus of carny folk from. Uh... <laughs> from the gem world. Um, so let's let's talk about Sophie for a little bit because, um, like like we've already said, her art is amazing. Um, how did uh, you and she become uh, partners in this endeavor? You know, Sophie and I have been friends for a really long time. Um, I actually met her in the weirdest possible. We both went to Savannah College of Art and Design, but we missed each other. I was there before she was. Um, and... Um, we met because I wrote a review of Water Baby on my blog, and I really liked Water Baby. I'd read other stuff of Sophie's, but um, at which I'd also loved. But she had felt she feels very mixed about still about Water Baby, and um, she ended up leaving a comment or sending me an email or something and saying thanks for the review. And you know, we just started talking, and I was working on a comic book at that time, and sort of. As we became friends, I was like, maybe we should work on this together. It was mm-hmm. Heart in a Box, my Dark Horse book that's coming out in September. Oh, and, we'll get to um, that, yes. <laughs> and she uh, she was interested, but, like, her schedule is impossible. And so she ended up hooking me up with Meredith. And I don't know, we just became really good friends over the years. And we were always sort of looking for something to do together. But mm-hmm. her schedule is impossible because in addition to being highly in demand in more mainstream paid license work you know she also has all her own creator own stuff so mm-hmm. we just never found an opportunity i think i think we met in it was either 2007 or 2009 so you know it's been like five to seven years now that we've been friends and kind of keeping an eye out for a project and we sort of both heard that idw was doing the gem thing 
separately, like through editors and people were talking to at IDW. Mm-hmm. I think I heard it first, and I went to her even though I wasn't supposed to, and I was like, oh my god, <laughs> would you want to do Gem with me? Because, you know, she did those fan designs a few years back, mm-hmm. so I know she's a rabid fan, and and she was like, oh my god, and we started talking about it, and we were texting all these ideas and things, even before anyone said they were going to let us pitch, and, uh, and so it just worked out, I mean, I think that I, I like to believe that my pitch was the right one, and it would have made it through even without Sophie, but there's a good thing we'll never have to know that. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's something that I just don't care to know the answer to, yeah. but I'll have my head cannon. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, the rest is history. They really liked our approach. Sophie was, of course, sort of the ace in the hole. They loved her work. They'd seen her fan art. They, you know, they knew she would be a great fit for it. Mm-hmm. And they just really liked our approach. And we've got an art coming up. You know, Sophie's off um, for three issues after issue six. Six is the end of the arc, and that'll be what's collected in the trade, the first six issues. Mm-hmm. And I hope some back matter. I hope some of the designs and stuff. Um, That'd be and cool. And then... Uh, and then, so Emma is on for issues seven, eight, and nine, and then Sophie will be back for ten. And ten is that's a arc that we're both really excited about that we pitched. I mean, that was in our original pitch. So, um, oh, so you're so you're doing kind of the origin arc, so you can get to your the the original pitch arc. Or- yeah, I mean, we when we first were talking about pitching, we had no idea if they were going to want to sort of do a soft reboot to kind of bring people up to speed. We had no idea. And so this arc three was like our first idea when we didn't really know what the score was yet. Once we talked to them and we found out that they wanted to, you know, start it up for a new generation and kind of bring everyone back in, which completely makes sense. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, I've, I've heard people argue that, Oh, Buffy didn't reboot, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But Buffy, that, that comic book started coming out like a year or two, a couple of years after yeah. the show went off. It's been almost 30 years since Jem went off the air. So, you know, we need to bring people in a little more slowly. No. We can't just pick up with what happened after the last episode. Everyone so. totally knows what happened. I mean, we were all there when that kid did that thing. I don't know. Uh, so, yeah. So then once we figured that out, we rejiggered the schedule a little bit. And we're like, well, hopefully we're popular and we'll be able to get to this arc three. Um, but there's a lot of, I don't want to undersell arc two either, though it's Mm going to be very painful not to have Sophie. I've been seeing the pages for this arc from Emma and they're really beautiful. They're really great. And, um, there's a lot of cool stuff that's going to happen in that arc, including the introduction of, uh, Eric Raymond and Techrat and all sorts (laughs) of cool stuff. So just, uh, we just need another sniveling record producer to get in there. Um, and We're also going to get to see Aja's sort of developing relationship with someone who's going to debut in issue five. Ooh. Yeah, very exciting. It's exclusives. Or you probably already yes. told people about this. I, I don't think I have. I don't oh. think I have. You know, we did, I did so many podcasts for so long, like um, just so many interviews and podcasts because there was such great excitement over Gem. But, mm-hmm. you know, once it's out there, then, you know, people stop calling. No. They never write, they never call, you know, oh. no. So I haven't done any for a while, so yeah, I don't think I've ever really talked about issue five or or, or the second arc. Excellent. Well, I'll, I'll send you postcards and we'll just keep in touch and everything. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, what's going yeah. on issue seven? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, so with the, um, 
with the uh, uh, Sophie's original, I guess, um, fan drawings, did you guys build off of those, or did you kind of start from scratch when you're doing the the rebooted designs? Um, I think she definitely built off of those. I mean, I think um, you know some people feel some feel like a really direct leaping off point. Um, I think I think the big difference of the fan designs are they're sort of more futury. Like I don't know if you remember them, but like it's almost like Gem and the Holograms from twenty eighty or something, right? They've oh, got like okay. like things kind of on them, like almost like clothes that are almost like molded to them, sort of thing, like stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But like Kimber's hair is almost identical to the Kimber hair we have today. I think Jem sort of looks the most different because she never did a Jerrica before, so you kind of didn't have the... Oh, sorry, I got some feedback there. You okay? I don't know. Let's see. Oh, yeah, it's gone. Weird. (laughs) Um, Sorry. Um, I think Aja... I mean, I think there's a lot less, you know, development, obviously, in those sketches than there than there is today like Aja is not sort of a little bit chubby neither is Shayna you know they have different faces I don't but you know I and I think Sophie would agree with this I think they even look different from you know Sophie doesn't sort of I feel like I'm telling tales here but I don't think it's I think she would say this she sort of doesn't love the number one cover anymore not because there's anything wrong with it but just because that was so early in the process, you know, mm-hmm. she, you, you have to, because of the nature of comics, you have to get solicit information and covers out so early that, you know, she hadn't even had any time to design yet. And they were like, Hey, we need the cover. And she was like, ah, yeah. you know, I mean, I mean and, and, and to relate that to a more writing side of things, I hate the solicit for number one. And mm-hmm. I was super grouchy with my editor and he was like, get over it. Rightly so. He was like, if this is the biggest problem we have, like we're golden, but they call them friends in the solicit, not oh, sisters. And yeah. I was like super annoyed by it. And, and it wasn't really anyone's fault. It's just the nature of, you know, comics and the way it goes. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think Sophie would say that those old designs were definitely the inspiration where she started, but she ended up going very different places with them, I think, overall. Well, and definitely, because, I mean, if you go, again, if you go back to the original cartoon, everyone's got the same body type. I mean, it's... Yeah. That, I mean, that's the 80s and the 90s for you right there in a nutshell. Uh, and it's also, it's also just that style of animation. I exactly. Mean, it's very hard to... It's very expensive, rather, and time-consuming to animate something like, say, Steven Universe, where mm. you don't have just body forms, right, that are all the same, like what you would see in the 80s, so... Yeah. Um, but I think it, it, it just kind of lends to, I mean, this... Uh, I mean, what we're going through now with this uh, this great renaissance of representation, not just of, like, races, but body types and religions and all this kind of stuff, and I think that's what... Uh, again, like makes Jem kind of stand out a lot is that you've got like these, uh, you know, uh, you know, bigger girls who are, you know, it's it's not a judgment thing. It's just like yes, they happen to be in this band. They're sisters. They have these personalities, but no one's looking at them and going like, well, they are clearly of different body types, and now we judge them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I read a review or some some comments or something. People talking about how great it was that like, you know. 
that nobody tells Kimber to eat a sandwich and nobody tells Stormer or Aja that they should drop a few pounds or whatever. And Mm -hmm. I was like, yes, exactly. Because these are just the people in your life that you love and that's just how they look and this is how they are. And, you know, I think also it's a, it's a, you know, like the rock and roll mentality It's like, you know, you wear what you want, you look how, because if you're confident in yourself, which all of these girls are confident, um, you know, maybe aside from Jerrica when she's on stage, but, uh, they, they all have a sense of themselves that is very, um, it's, it's different than what we're used to seeing sometimes, not just in comics, but sometimes in, in media, uh, which is again, refreshing. (laughs) No, I totally agree. I totally agree. And I think, you know, these are very like layered, complex women. They're, they're complex characters, Mm -hmm. but you know, None of them, we had no interest in starting from a place of like, you know, I don't know, them not being confident or them not feeling like oh yeah yeah young feminist women, you know, it's like they've got, they've got plenty of problems, but, um, you know, it, it, the they, holograms disliking one another or hating on one <laughs> another, it's like not one of them, you know, like. 99 problems and that's not one. <laughs> no, exactly. I mean it's 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 more about the 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 style and the attitude that you and Sophie have given them. It's a, it's not going to be like an after school special where we have to like talk about, you know, Kimber's problem with blank, you know. Yeah. It's yeah. it's very much the any tensions and problems are coming from just them as people or, you know, the battle of the band stuff or just different yeah. things that make sense to people of their age. Yeah. I think even the misfits are pretty, um, you know, even Pizzazz, who seems like she might be a nightmare in that way. Mm-hmm. Like, I think even even they have a great respect for talent. I mean, that's one of the things that gets lost with the misfits a lot. And, mm-hmm. you know, we've tried to sort of say that without saying it, that the misfits are incredibly talented. Like, yeah. they're a really great band you know, and they're thwarted by this gem and the holograms nonsense at every turn and it's driving them crazy and they're not necessarily the best people and they don't have the support systems that sort of gem and the holograms have built in. Um, and they've in many ways got more problems, but like, you know, no one is fat shaming Stormer. Mm-hmm. She, she's a badass songwriter. She's a badass guitarist. She can play other instruments. Like she, she brings it. And yeah. so no, no one's giving her a hard time. You know, I mean, they're giving her a hard time, but you know, yeah, for different reasons. Uh, not because she doesn't fit in their traditional standards, and I think it also helps that, like, you know, Roxy doesn't really fit a traditional standard either. You know, and mm-hmm. um, we've she and uh, it's I think it's in their bios, but she and Jetta both box a little bit, mm-hmm. and like I love that they both box and they're interested in this thing, and they have completely divergent body types. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, and Roxy's always eating bagels, of course. Which is my <laughs> super favorite thing about Gem and the Holograms. Well, because uh, I, I like, I mean, just the way Pizzazz is, is presented, because, you know, especially when you meet them for the first time, it's like, oh, they got their act together, but Pizzazz is just a nightmare at times. <laughs> But at the same, but at the same time, it's stemming from this. Like she's so concerned about the hologram, Gem and the holograms, because she's probably feels like they might be better, or she's jealous, or something's going on there, or she just doesn't want all that attention put on them and just wants it all on her. I think it's everything. I think it's someone who's completely consumed with, you know, being a star and being the best she is at what she does, 
And just as her band is really starting to make it, these sort of dark horses come out of nowhere, mm-hmm. and everyone likes them more than her because their music is like a little bit more accessible, you know, a little bit more commercial. And it drives her crazy, and she doesn't want to talk about Gem and the Holograms when <laughs> she's supposed to be talking about herself, you know. And that doesn't mean, you know. I also think that she's a nightmare. She's a total nightmare because she has a lot of problems, which many of which we're going to be tackling uh, as we sort of go forward, especially in arc three. Mm-hmm. But you know, she's also a really good front woman who is super talented and cares about her band being the best, mm-hmm. and. You know, um, the way she treats Stormer especially is awful. It's sort of the way she treats everyone, but she sort of doubles down on it in Stormer's case because she knows she needs Stormer more than the rest of them. Yeah. Stormer is some of the real talent, and Stormer going out of pocket and, like, fraternizing with the enemy is, like, I mean, it just makes her blood boil. And that doesn't make her behavior okay, but, you know, it's her flaw. And she has things that are, you know, I read a review that was, like, oh, we're not really getting much characterization of pizzazz. And I was like, I hope that reviewer gets over it because it's going to take a while. Like, I can't I can't do that when I have nine main characters. Like, yeah. you know, we're not going to start to see real dimension on the page exploring what's going on with pizzazz, you know, until a few arcs from now. I mean, we try to put little bits in there. Like, Sophie did this great bit that was a really small bit in the script, but Sophie really maximized it in her pencils mm-hmm. in issue four when they're kind of there and she's talking to her band and she's really frustrated and she just has this silent moment where you feel like, oh, maybe she's centering herself. Maybe she's not going to be a nightmare. Mm-hmm. And there's a second where you can tell she's like thinking to herself and maybe she's sad or maybe she's, we don't quite know what's going on. And then in the next panel, she freaks out again and she's yeah. like, to herself. And, you know, that was just a little moment in the script. And, you know, I I mean, I put it there on purpose, but I think Sophie did so much more with it because it should be a bigger moment. It should show for just a split second what you're seeing sort of under the surface of what's going on with pizzazz, right? Mm -hmm. And then then she just reverts back to type because she doesn't sort of know how to deal with these problems. When, so. And you're, especially in the first arc where you're you're essentially rebooting an origin, you have to lay yeah. the foundation for a lot of things so that you can explore yeah. them further in, in, you know, the second and the third arc. Um, so yeah, to get, like, we need to know everything that's going on with Pizzazz on top of, you know, Stormer yeah. and Camber and Aja and Shauna and... <laughs> yeah, yeah. All yeah, these... Yeah. What's Rio's deal? I mean, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get in on his psyche now, too. <laughs> I think you know, people love, people seem to really love what we're doing, um, by and large, and I'm really excited about it, because we're sort of pouring our hearts and souls into it, but I have to say, one of the things that I think I've seen universally are people liking Rio better, which is good, because we tried really hard with that, and Sophie and I got in a big fight one time, because she said some dialogue I wrote for him seemed creepy, and I was like, what? I was like, I'm going out of my way to, like, make this work, do you remember what the line was like no it was i I think it was it it and i ended up finessing it and changing it a little bit although i still don't think i changed it as much as she wanted me to but it was it was something in the scene where um he asked eric jerica out um and she just felt like it was a little creepy and pushy and i was like well first of all it is creepy he like stopped them and found them he's an investigative reporter (laughs) he shows up like it's not super above board um 
I was like, but you know, he's also really confident. He is not a shy person. And that's part of what's appealing to her about him Mm -hmm. um, is he just goes after what he wants, where she sort of has some stumbling blocks in that way. So, and I do, I do love the, the setup with um, him meeting Jim and like, just her trying to, like, save face, like, just to cover up, and then it turning into, like, he's gonna hate Jem, like, just as a person. (laughs) That was one of those things where, I mean, I had always said that that was my intention when we were talking about it um, with John, um, that it was always the idea, when I pitched it, it was like, I don't really want to do a traditional love triangle here. Mm -hmm. I'd rather do you know, we're going to make Rio a reporter and I'd rather do sort of a Superman, Lois Lane, Clark Kent thing, Mm -hmm. except for imagine Lois Lane thinks Clark Kent hung the moon. He's the greatest reporter. He's so great, blah, blah, blah. And she thinks Superman is kind of a dick. That's always getting people in trouble (laughs) that thinks too much of himself, whatever. Mm -hmm. I was like, so that's like kind of the way I want to approach it. And they were down for it. But you know, sometimes things happen like really organically. I mean, I want to be like, Oh yeah, I'm a genius. I did that on purpose. But sometimes it just happens (laughs) on accident. Like that bit with the coffee in issue four, when he meets Jem, like I just sort of wrote that and I wasn't even really thinking about it. And Mm -hmm. John and Sophie both emailed me and were like, that bit with the coffee is so good. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> like, I like went back and they're like, with her taking the coffee and him being like, that's gems. And then she's like an idiot because she's forgetting. She's in the persona. So they're like, it's so layered and cool. And I was like, that's great. I totally meant to do that. And then later I was like, oh, I don't know. You're just staring at uh, it going like, I didn't mean to, but okay, I'll take it. Yeah, I'm, I'm a genius, you guys. Totally. Totally meant to do that. I'm, I'm really the Mozart of my age. Uh, yes, right. <laughs> Um, I did actually want to uh, ask you about the songs themselves, like, because um, obviously we don't have actual music to go with it, but do you do you hear, like, a song in your head? Like, is there music going on when you're writing those lyrics out? Or? I, w- I wish I could say I did. I'm just not that musically gifted. Um, I, so I approach, the, I approach the music sort of like poetry, because mm-hmm. um, that's my best note. I mean, I spend a lot of time looking at songs I like, songs that I feel like the bands would sound like and you know how the choruses work and how the lyrics are laid out and stuff and so I, I try and go off of that stuff but then the other problem is you know we're only getting a fragment you know not that I write full songs but I write a lot more than what we end up putting on the page and you know we tend to put the stuff on the page that's a little more rhymy mm-hmm. and I think that's in part because you can't hear it and so yeah you know, you want that sort of cadence that rhyming has. And, you know, Sophie and I have talked about it a little bit, and she's been super supportive of the songs, which I was very, or the lyrics, which I was very anxious about early on. Um, you know, and we've talked about maybe it should rhyme a little less, but I don't know, when you put it on the page, you really need that sort of poetic cadence a little bit more. I don't know. No, It's, 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 a, it's a bit of a struggle. I, I've been pretty happy with it overall, but it's definitely a thing where you're like, eh, am I doing the right thing? I don't know. No, and I, I totally get it because when in the absence of an actual melody to put it to, rhyming yeah. is the best way of kind of conveying the idea of song. Exactly. So, exactly. Like, yeah, if you just got I, like... I've seen people, most people have been either said nothing about the lyrics or been very nice about them, but every once in a while I'll come across someone who's like, the lyrics are awful, and I'm like, well, you know... <laughs> Uh, a, I don't know what to tell you. B, I didn't write them. Jerica did, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure if you put anybody's like lyrics down at some point, it's just going to sound weird to somebody. <laughs> well, you know, I, I do think lyrics 
thing is, you know, I, I want them, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, these aren't the songs I would write, you know, Mm -hmm. I am a 30 plus year old woman and I'm not, you know, so I think, you know, writing the songs so that they feel right. I sort of have to get inside the head of Stormer or Kimber or Jerrica since they write most of the songs. I'm like, who are they? What are the things that are important to them? What are the kind of things they're thinking about? And then sort of filter that through, you know, what's some sort of commercial, you know, stuff that could end up on the radio with like a pop-ish beat, you know, Mm -hmm. that that would work. And so that's where we end up. And for good or ill, uh, you know, I think it works pretty well. It's not flawless. I mean, I think Sophie's execution of it is really great, which mm-hmm. really saves us in some of the in some of the execution that we maybe feel like we miss. So. I do like, yeah, how the the words kind of float around on the uh, you know around them with the music kind of thing. Uh, yeah. I, I even like it in the first issue when there's you can see the music floating around, but none of but Jerrica's not singing, so you have no words at all. That um, was. When I saw those pages, I was like, this is going to be so good, because those those first three pages are almost devoid of any words, mm-hmm. because Sophie's storytelling and the way she executed the music is so powerful. You know, I don't have to go inside Jerrica's head and be like, oh, I'm so afraid, I'm going to drop the ball, or yeah. you know, whatever inane thing would be inside her head, because the body language tells you everything. She opens her mouth and literally chokes and then we get a joke at the end of the page about, did she just literally choke? And, like, that's all you need because Sophie does so much of the heavy lifting. It's, listen, I'm incredibly lucky. <laughs> I Every once in a while, I'm like, I'm going to be screwed for the rest of my life because I've only worked with really great artists so far. And so what am I going to do <laughs> someday when I don't have people far better than I am to lean on? So, Well, it's good. To, you know, the, in this podcast, we really want you to air your, uh, <laughs> your fears for the future. <laughs> Well, now you know. Oh, no. Um, half the battle. G.I. Joe. Oh, wait, the real wrong, American wrong, hero. Wrong show. Wrong. Uh, it wrong, all applies. <laughs> I, I watched those right on top. Like, yeah, my, my morning lineup before school was usually, like, G.I. Joe, pro- possibly Gem, I think. Then there was, like, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and I think Transformers nice. was around there at some point. <laughs> Thundercats, nice. all of it. It's like, those are my jams. Uh, has anyone, like, ever approached you about actually putting the, the lyrics to song at all? You know, no. And I'm really actually surprised. Mm-hmm. When we were talking about this, we thought that that would be something that early on, or, you know, in the first blush of people being excited, we thought that might be something that would happen. But I guess... You know, it's also fair to say, you know, there's such fragments of songs that we ended up putting in, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I think in our minds, or at least in my mind, when, before we really got started, I was thinking more of the songs would be in there, but that was before how we sort of decided to do the lyrics, and by the nature of the lyrics and the visuals, we end up not putting near as much. It's also just, it feels sort of criminal to cover up Sophie's art with all that stuff sometimes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's sort of a, sort of a fine line of balance between how much we want on there and how much we, we want to resist. So, I mean, maybe that's been part of it. Like there's not really enough there most of the time to know what the song would be. I don't know. Well, maybe people just don't love us as much as we thought. Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you do need to put some back matter in. So maybe some, (laughs) some lyrics, some music and lyrics. (laughs) Um, 
So, uh, you know, I want to shift gears a little bit. Um, so one of the things I did notice about, I think it was Aja's, or maybe it was, no, I think it was Stormer's. Uh, she has a first edition of To Kill a Mockingbird was on the, on the sheet. So this connects to uh, Heart in a Box <laughs> in a very subtle way, because To Kill a Mockingbird plays a, a pretty a decent role in the plot, uh, eventually, but... <laughs> That's my segue. <laughs> That's a pretty great segue. That's a pretty great segue. Um, I'm, I'm good at I'm, noticing those types of details, being like, <laughs> I got it! <laughs> yeah, no. It's, uh, I wish I could say that there's some like super deep meaning there uh, beyond, I just really love To Kill a Mockingbird. <laughs> I think it's a really important work. Mm-hmm. I think Harper Lee is a kind of fascinating writer. Um, Are you excited for her and, sequel? Uh, well... Yeah. Nervous. yeah, I know. I mean, you know, she there. there's a lot of, like, I don't know how much you know about Harper Lee, but there's a lot of sort of weird stuff that's happened with her later in her life, like people trying to tell her story or mm-hmm. people getting involved in her life and things. It's a very sort of weird stuff. And I also think that there's, you know, I mean, I don't know, maybe this is just the failure writer in me, but, like, it's very hard to follow up something you know if she, if she'd followed up to kill a mockingbird with a great or a bad or a mediocre novel you know 10 years after mm-hmm. it came out even that would be sort of a dramatic story right the brilliant harpley and there would be all these people trying to take her down maybe maybe less because of the time period yeah um than if today but i mean this is a really long wait i don't know maybe maybe that ends up mitigating uh, expectation or something i don't i don't know but I, I'll, I'll read it i'm anxious though to see what it will really be no i i'm told i'm i'm on board with you know just where, where you are too because like i when i read that in school it was just i mean it's such a a perfect little book um and then the movie is amazing as well and yeah to go so long and not have really written anything else and then suddenly like oh hey, here's this, uh, a sequel to that really popular book I wrote. Yeah, like, yeah, ooh, yeah. I, I don't know about that. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll all wait and then see what the reviews are like and sit there and be like, oh, please, Harper Lee, let it be good. Yeah, right? I know. <laughs> um, but uh, you you were very kind to send the PDF of, uh, of Heart in a Box uh, to me, which thank you very much. Um, it's a, it's a beautiful story. Like I just, um, I had a, I had a pretty decent emotional reaction to it actually. So I know, right. I'm, I'm hearing really good things in that regard. So that makes me really happy. No, it's, uh, cause I mean, I'm mostly just made of stone, but so when things like that can get under my skin (laughs) and I can feel actual emotions. (laughs) I'm the same way. I'm not really an easy crier, although I have to admitted to being a liar because I was just I told you I was doing the proofs for five and I was like tearing up at at the holograms (laughs) they're so cute and they're so kind and I care about them so much and my boyfriend was like you know you wrote that right and I was like I was like yeah but I didn't draw it I was like the way Sophie draws it it's so emotional for me so I guess I'm no longer made of stone if the holograms make me tear up well you know you can can work uh, on that (laughs) Uh, but yeah, we got some really, I know you saw that we have some really great pull quotes from some really great creators, and mm-hmm. um, several of them, in addition to sending very nice notes, were sent me 
very nice emails in which they admitted to being really moved or and or tearing up. So that made me feel like I really did something right. So it's great to hear that from you as well. Um, yeah, I, I'm sure you've talked about this before as well, but uh, what was the, the origin of this particular comic? That was very much um, a story written in heartbreak. Um, mm-hmm. A sort of bad romantic heartbreak. I came up with the idea. It sort of came out fully formed in the sense that it was an idea and a story that I knew I had to tell. But it was a very long time ago. Um, I think I was like, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago Mm -hmm. when I first came up with the idea and sort of went through that emotional trauma, maybe a little more. And um, I sort of, this is one of those things where like, I don't think I've ever talked about this on a podcast, but you know, as someone who's published through Kickstarter and is incredibly grateful for Kickstarter as a thing. Mm-hmm. I'm also really glad it wasn't around 10 years ago because yeah. I was too young. I was too young to be a creator. I would have really regretted a lot of the stuff that I might have put out there. Um, and Heart in a Box is a great example of that because, you know, 10 years ago, I wanted nothing more than for someone to hand me a check and tell me to write it and, and we publish it or, you know, for me to go to a Kickstarter thing that didn't exist yet and fund it and do it. Mm-hmm. And it would have been a mistake because 10 years ago, without distance and without time and without growing as a writer, that was just a story about romantic love. And it was far more shallow mm-hmm. and far less interesting with far fewer layers. And I don't think it would have made anyone cry. It, it would have been... I mean, I don't know. In the hands of an illustrator of Meredith's capacity, which is incredible, yeah, it, it probably still would have landed and been a good book. But it would have been far inferior to the the what I hope is a really emotionally resonant book that people can relate to it turned into. No, it's um, it's just it's a fantastic story. I mean, just the the character arc alone of of Emma. Just how she, you know, it's, I mean, she's not a terrible person. She's just immature. And just yeah. the evolution of her in searching for those pieces of herself and and just the, the lessons she's kind of learning as she goes uh, is, is real. I think that that resonates even if you haven't gone through like a major heartbreak in terms of like a romantic relationship. We've all, yeah. we've all given a piece of ourselves to something yeah. and it's either worked out or it hasn't worked out and we I, all feel I it. Agree. I mean, that's, that's exactly what I'm saying. Like, if I had done it 10 years ago, it would have just been this sort of romantic story about lost romantic love. And it, it's not that it would have been bad. It just, this is different. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a little more important. This has more to say about people and about life and about love in general. Love that's not necessarily just romantic love. Um, all kinds of love and loss and bad choices and you know redemption and all sorts of things as opposed to just being like oh a story where you read it and you're like yeah that was good that girl definitely got her heart broken yeah (laughs) i agree with the assessment you know (laughs) instead of it being something a little larger than that which is where i think we ended up um but again regardless of anything that i went through to try and evolve as a person and as a writer to get that to a different point where it was a little better um Meredith's work is just incredible it no it's so beautiful and I I love the the idea that when um Emma loses her heart it you know she goes completely gray like that that visualization of it 
I'm so glad that that's working out because I am sure Meredith wanted to kill me no fewer than 10,000 plus <laughs> times mm-hmm. over that issue. And it was her idea. I mean, I wanted to do it, but I never would have suggested it because I knew how difficult it would be to desaturate Emma at the beginning and then slowly warm her up mm-hmm. throughout. I knew how complicated that would be. And, you know, Meredith is, she was already doing everything, right? Yeah. She did the art, she did the inks, she did the colors, she did the letters, she did everything. So I just knew that was going to be really challenging. And so I didn't say anything. And she brought it up. She was like, what if we do this? And I was like, I'll be honest, I think it's the greatest idea ever. I think it's going to be really hard, though. And sure enough, and you know, she probably was like, yeah, sure, it'll be hard. She didn't know I was a crazy person, which turns out I am because I just, there were a lot of times, I would say that was the biggest coloring note that we would have. I mean, you know, Meredith turns in such incredible pages. Um, Brendan and I would rarely have a lot of changes. I'm sure if you got her on this podcast, she'd be like, I disagree. (laughs) um, Objection, your honor. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, objection is exactly right. Um, I'm sure she would disagree, but... In my, when I look back on it, I feel like all my nitpicky notes were about this coloring and like, she's not warm enough here. She feels too warm here. Mm. And it was, it was super problematic because, um, Meredith is an incredible colorist who can both, she chooses these palettes very smartly. Like, you know, it looks, the palette looks different in Arizona than it does in Oakland than Mm -hmm. it does in Savannah. And she's incredibly great at at reflecting all of that. And she's also great at reflecting light. But so in all these scenarios, in these different landscapes and these different places, and then these different times of day, and then this third element of, oh, hey, your character is slightly less gray than she was, (laughs) you know, three pages ago, it was sort of a nightmare. And we also... You know, because of the way comics work, they take a long time, and they don't traditionally pay very well, and so they can't really be your full-time job for a year. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Heart in a Box was done over more than two years. Oh, wow. So, can you imagine keeping track of all those coloring, warm-ups, and cool-downs? Like, oh, Ooh, nightmare. <laughs> I mean, the fact that she managed it, and that it landed so beautifully, which it does, yeah. um, and I'm glad you agree, is just, like, miraculous. I'm forever grateful to her. And I'm sure when I was like, yeah, let's do Heart in a Box too," she probably wanted to throw literal daggers uh, <laughs> at me. This um, seems to be a running thing for you, Sophie and, and <laughs> Meredith just, like, throwing stuff. Because, like, you put I a... Sound like, I sound like a nightmare person, apparently. Um, are, are you the pizzazz of the comic book writers? <laughs> I'm not. Here's... I don't know. I feel like, I mean, you know, everything is done via email. And so I always feel like I'm an over explainer, Mm -hmm. which sometimes then comes off as too much. Right. No, I can understand that. Yeah. (laughs) And so all I'm trying to say is she needs to be more blue here. But instead I'm like, you know, I feel like, and I like write a whole paragraph and then someone wants to kill me. It's in my imagination. Nobody's ever said they want to kill me. Meredith still thinks she's my friend. I think she's my friend. So hopefully it's fine and I'm just overreaching. Um, Look, when you write but, the novelization uh, of the color of one panel, <laughs> then we then we can talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Um, so, yeah, I... Um, I can, I can tell I you right know. now, I, I cried when Brock ran away. I was just so... 
was like, well, no! <laughs> you should be glad. In the old version, he gets hit by a car. Oh, God. It was, too, it was too much. It was too much. I couldn't handle it. I then was it's like, the no. Marley and me of... <laughs> yeah. And, well, and I just... We gotta save it for the, you know... Um, it was, I thought it was sort of devastating enough. It's still her losing him, right? So, yeah. And I think it's the same net effect in a way. And I think sometimes just even them running away is worse because it's like, it's almost like a rejection, you yes, know? Yes, <laughs> Like, it, like, it, it is almost sadder because, at least from Emma's perspective and what she's going through, because if he's hit by the car, then maybe there's the idea that he would have come back. Right? Yeah. Oh, it's not his fault. He didn't, I mean, she, there's more guilt maybe on her part because she's done things that have led to him getting hit by a car. So she's got more guilt, but maybe there's less rejection, um, in the sense that she can try and believe that maybe that wasn't the end. Oh yeah. Um, like when we try to run our own, na- the narrative through our own heads, like, no, he was clearly, you know, it's, it's the driver's fault. He was going to turn back and I just needed to call his name or something. And, but yeah, when he just kind of like gives the, the, the piece of, of her heart back and then runs off, it's just like, no, why couldn't he stay? <laughs> it's like, stay Brock, stay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But no, I mean, it's just, it's it's a really, like, well-done, heart-wrenchingly uh, beautiful comic. I mean, just... Yeah, and, like, even, like, Meredith's, like, um, the way she depicts, like, when the next piece is put in. Uh, just, like, that rush of memories and feelings and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Like, it's it's just gorgeously rendered, and yeah. and you just, I mean, when you're, when you're scripting stuff, are you as, like, um, I guess, uh, uh, what is it? What's the word? Uh, gregarious, I guess, in the in the writing <laughs> process. <laughs> um, no, I think you know. I th- I think it, it, it really depends on every project. I think, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, I did a short where um, I did a short for Creepy, which I again I've had so much luck with which the incredible artists. The art on that turned out so dark and cool and amazing, but I did have a little bit of a problem that was my problem because I wasn't sort of being specific enough mm-hmm. in some of the things. Like, for example, um, he's not an American artist, and, and he and I never actually had a conversation. It was all through the editor. And so he, I was writing a bus stop, but I was writing like a suburban bus stop for a kid in a neighborhood, right? Like mm-hmm. on the corner like, where the bus is going to stop, but it's not a thing. And he's drawing, like, an urban bus stop. So, oh, like, yeah. I think there are things you learn as a writer of, like, where you need to be really specific and where you don't. But, you know, you also learn with your artist how much you need to specify and how much you don't. You know, I mean, I <laughs> I told Sophie in a recent thing, I specified, like, that in this scene with them performing you know, I didn't mind if she was doing a lot of crazy eyes and close-ups and weird layouts, because I know she loves that stuff, Mm -hmm. but, you know, I also needed to see at least one shot of Sheena, clearly on the drums, not a super close-up, you know, a shot of Aja, like, we needed those moments for them, because we hadn't really had them, Mm -hmm. and, you know, she was like, oh, I noticed you don't want a close-up of an eye, and I'm like, come on, I was like, (laughs) I let you do eyes all the time, I let you do whatever you want, you know? You have so much freedom, just give me this! (laughs) Yeah, sometimes you gotta let me have it, though, you know? So, I mean, I think the places where I care 
Um, I mean, nine times out of ten, the artist has a better idea than I do, right? Mm -hmm. That's just a fact. They're visual. They're far more visual, far more talented thinkers than I am. So I try to only be a stickler when it matters. You know, if there's a transition um, that's not that's not working, um, you know, I think with Meredith, I tried to keep the script pretty loose because I wanted. So it's. It's, you know, here are the basic actions of the page or whatever. I tried to keep her pretty loose, though, because she knows what she's doing. She's an excellent storyteller. Mm-hmm. So, but then there were there were conversations before that about how are we going to, you know, like I would write in the script, and now we have the quote-unquote heart effect, whatever we decide that's going to be. Mm-hmm. And then, like, we would have a conversation about what that means, and then I would never describe it again. We would just know that that's what she was doing kind of thing. So, yeah. I mean, I think every project is a little bit of that. You know, I'm doing, um, I was doing Captain Marvel and the Carol Core. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, that's another fantastic artist. Um, and that's another level of complication because, of course, you know, it's like my script that then Kelly Sue revises and, like, does her own thing with and changes around. So, you know, there's still another level before it gets to the artist. But, How, um... you know, I feel like you just have to trust them. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to pretend there aren't certain things where I get a little nutty that are important to me. I, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's the whole, it goes back to the whole, uh, you know, the uh, Jerrica, Kimber, Aja, and, Sh- and Shanna have to be related, you know, have to be family. You yeah. know, it goes back to that conversation. Because if they're just friends, then you lose kind of an element uh, yeah. to the story. So yeah. I think especially with some you know, writers that I've talked to in the past or whatever, there's always that moment where you're like, you need to, you're going to pick your battles, but you, you know, you, you pick the ones that are worth it. Yeah. I think that that's exactly it. And I mean, I don't want to act like I'm, you know, I'm constantly letting battles slide. As I've said before, I've got such talented artists and they constantly surprise me where you see pages and you're like, Jesus, that's so good. I didn't even think of that. You know, mm-hmm. like, how they worked that out or how they solved that problem or whatever. Um, these, the, I just, just saw like inks or finishes, whatever last week for some, some plain battle that happens in Carol core, uh, <laughs> issue three. And I was like, David Lopez is out of his mind. How good <laughs> he is. Cause I had to go look at the script and see what we wrote mm-hmm. because it was just so much better it was just this frenetic amazing like i think we did write like chaotic dance of planes or whatever and that's exactly what he drew but it also looked i don't know it was just so phenomenal like i every time i see it when i scan through the pdf i'm like i I just have to stop and marvel at like what am i even seeing it's so good um so i don't want to pretend that like i'm constantly not hurting you know or i'm constantly not saying something i want to say yeah I do think there are the moments when there's a disconnect. A great example in Heart in a Box was actually the final panel of Mm. the last page. And there was some debate about maybe we were doing this epilogue or just a couple other pages or not. And we went back and forth a lot on it. Um, And we decided to end it there and to not do the other pages because we were, we felt the new pages actually were too cliffhangery. And, um, but I felt and I, again, I'm sure, and, and, and the editor agreed with me, and I'm sure Meredith was sort of ready to kill us both, because <laughs> we were, it seemed like we were nitpicking this so much, but I just felt like Emma's expression in that last panel was way too depressing and dark. Mm-hmm. Like, 
I was like, we gotta lighten it up. I was like, it's, it's the last panel, you know? And, and so she would make a couple tiny little tweaks, and I was like, Meredith, no, you gotta do more, man. It's more. Like, it's just, you know, and I, I think we even got to a point where I, like, wrote it all out. I'm like, listen, you know, it's only been X number of days, she, you know, this guy's mad at her, but it's not the end of the world. Like, come mm-hmm. on. Like, it's just, you know, she's hoping she can make a phone call and apologize and it's all going to be fine, you know? Or, yeah. You know, and so we, and, and we finally landed what I think is perfect because Meredith is incredibly talented and, and she's completely not a jerk. And so she <laughs> listens to you and she tries to figure it out. And, and we landed in a place where hopefully she was happy. But, you know, it's one of those things where, you've been working on something for two years and I'm sure she wanted to be like, are you kidding me? Editor and writer? Like literally we have to go over this last page like five times. And I'm like, we have to go over the last page five times because it's the last page. Like I wish it was something else. And I'm sure she wanted to be like, well, that's really easy from where you are, writer. You were done like two years ago, you know, except for doing some edits. So no. And, um, and and I, I understand that too, because yeah, that, that last, that last panel is important to setting up uh, to, I mean, I don't know if you're planning on doing a, a sequel to this, uh, Heart in a Box 2. There's but... been some talk about it, but I noticed Meredith has not been calling me to be like, hey, let me, do you want to be crazy with my coloring again? And I'd be like, I'm sorry, Meredith. I'm no, going to be in on that just, now. <laughs> let me just say, I hope that she gets all the praise that you just lavished on her for that coloring because she deserves every bit of it. I hope she gets all the praise for this book because, you know, I mean, it was my idea and I wrote the script, but come on, she did so much heavy lifting and she did it for the last two years and the final result are just beautiful. I think it's easily the best work she's ever done. It's so gorgeous and layered and it's important and there's there's just a lot of levels to it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's beautiful stuff. No, it's, uh, it's gorgeous and, I mean, accolades all around, Callie, I mean... You didn't slack off either. So, <laughs> Thank I, you. I'm glad. as someone who has uh, quite a few tattoos, I do. I did enjoy the uh, the octopus tattoo on yes. her arm. Uh, I don't. Is that a particular effect that she does to to make that look? I mean, I, I don't know how it works with like, especially doing tattoos on characters and uh, sequential I, art. I don't know how she does it. I mean, I'm assuming she's doing it mostly in the coloring and the layers so mm-hmm. maybe it's like a lighter layer on top or something i don't know yeah no it was just so, like it was one of those fascinating things where every time i saw the tattoo i was just like how is that is does she draw it every time <laughs> like, yeah no she i mean listen she's a machine i don't i don't know how she did like there's so much to that book um and and you know she was doing all these other projects while she was doing it it's it's amazing yeah, I mean, like I was going to say with the the last panel, it's it, that look on Emma's face is like so important to just kind of bookending the story. Just if she's yeah. if she's depressed, it kind of takes away everything she learned. Uh, yes. So having her yes. nervous and kind of optimistic at the same time is really important to to just be like, yeah, maybe it'll work out, but she she feels like it might, you know. That's yeah. what you need. <laughs> so. I'm I'm with you. I would have fought in the same battle with you. So. Yeah, no, it was it was it was too dark. It was too dark. 
Um, well, we're we're at over an hour, and this is this has just gone by really quick. Kelly, it was really no, I'm fun. Sorry. Sometimes I can't shut up. I forget. No, it's uh, fine. Sometimes I forget I'm on a podcast, and I'm just like a chatterbox. So, dude, anytime. Like, if you want to talk, <laughs> I'll do it. Uh, it doesn't even have to be a podcast. It's like, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> um, but before uh, before we go, where can people find you if they would like to converse with you? Um, Twitter is probably easiest, fastest, best. I'm 79 semifinalist on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find me on Tumblr. It's all 79. It's 1979semifinalist.com is the website, and 1979semifinalist.tumblr is the Tumblr. So, I'm all over. Excellent. Um, and do you have a, so this is going to go out on Friday. Do you have anything you want to plug that's coming up, or... Um, you know, I actually don't think anything is out this week, but I think Carol Core, I think Captain Marvel and the Carol Core number two comes out next week, I think. Oh, so, excellent. um, after Comic-Con, after all the big Comic-Con rush, um, gem number five, best issue ever, will be at the end of the month, and, um, Heart in a Box, for anyone who's interested the paperback and the collected version, which I believe will be on Comixology, will be out in September. But if you are on the Dark Horse digital platform or you go there and you set it up, you can get all seven chapters for under six bucks, which is a lot of comics. Yeah, it's, and it's all worth it, guys. You should be buying this tit sweet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, for, for those out there listening, loyal listeners, uh, you can find me at darling underscore Sammy, S-A-M-M-Y. Uh, also go on Facebook and like the page, Maniacal Curls. Go to maniacalgeek.com. And then we're also on iTunes, finally. You're the you're the first podcast that's going to iTunes, like, first. Like, uh, oh, cool. Yeah. Finally got all those damn episodes up there because I was just <laughs> lazy. So, uh, but yeah, go on iTunes. You know, give, give me stars, criticism as constructive as possible. I get it. I laugh a lot. I giggle, you know, whatever. <laughs> so, uh, but Kelly, thank you so much for coming on the show. And your work is just amazing. I will gush over it, you know, to the cows come home. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. I, uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah. I had a great time. Hopefully there will be more. I don't have anything I can announce yet, unfortunately, but, uh, I have some cool things on the horizon that I hope are going to work out. So excellent. I'll be sure to bug you when that happens then. <laughs> Thank you. I would love it. Excellent. Well, <laughs> uh, like, thank you again, and good night, everybody. Good night.